Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Book Riot Podcast. I'm Jeff O'Neill. I'm Rebecca Shinsky. And today we are previewing the adaptations to be excited about, presumably, maybe, that's what we're here to figure out, that are coming out in the first half-ish of the year that is 2024. In a little bit of Mundus Inversus, the world turned upside down. Rebecca has the list. I I was consulted on, is there anything I'm missing here? But beyond that, she's going to feed me underhand slow pitches, and I'm going to foul them off into my own crotch, uh, as is the want of a 45-year-old dad at this point. But we're here to talk about the adaptations that are coming out. Kind of a kind of a, it makes sense because the Oscar nominations came out today, which has included Best Adapted Screenplay. Best Adapted Screenplay and Screenplay are my two favorite categories to mm-hmm, follow mm-hmm. in the Oscars because, A, I know nothing about acting, and B... Uh, I can engage with those on a different kind of level too, which I'm kind of I'm more mostly a dialogue person when it comes to movies. That will come as no surprise to <laughs> to this show. Um, <laughs> so it's kind of a good time to look at what's coming out. I don't know the award season ad- adaptation stuff tends to come out in the fall, so I don't know what here will be Oscar nominated. There's a lot of TV, especially coming mm-hmm. out, and that's Emmys bait and. There should be an adapted TV series award. I don't think the Emmys do anything like that. I don't uh, think they get that specific, the Emmys or the Golden Globes, but it would be nice to see them, especially since adaptations are such a big chunk of streaming these days. It'd be nice to see them. And it didn't used to be that TV got adaptations, right? It was very, very unusual, but in the world of limited series, and there were some North and South, the Thorn Birds roots. Um, that became prestige things, but those were the exceptions rather than the rule, where now it is the rule mm-hmm. rather than the exception to have limited series based on a book or comic story or a series of books or something else like that. Yeah, and we will be diving into the nominees for this year's adapted screenplay. We're going to be doing some predicting the winner when we get closer to the Oscars. So late February, early March, we'll take a deep dive into those five nominees. Uh, I got to figure out how many of them to read. Uh, I will try to see all five before we get there. I've seen a couple of them already. And I had a lot of fun pulling this together. You're not watching as much TV these days. And 2023 was my year of like really going back to the movies. Uh, So I'm I'm following all this stuff pretty closely. I don't know how many of these 13 we're going to talk about today I'm going to watch or go see, but that'll be part of our conversation too. Okay. Well, before we get into it, let's take our first break and uh, we'll get into Rebecca's list. Today's episode is brought to you by Sourcebooks Landmark. So King Solomon says something very interesting to his son before he dies, and that is, quote, don't let the white man take the house, end quote. 
These, as I just mentioned, are King Solomon's last words to his son as he dies. Now, all four Solomon siblings must return to North Carolina to save the kingdom, their ancestral home, and 200 acres of land from a development company. Told in alternating viewpoints, Long After We Are Gone by Tara Shelton Harris is a searing portrait of the power of family and letting go of things that no longer serve you, exploring the burden of familial expectations, the detriment of miscommunication, and the lessons and legacies we pass on to our children. It's an explosive and emotional story of four siblings, each fighting their own personal battle, because who isn't, who return home in the wake of their father's death. Make sure to check out Long After We Are Gone by Tara Shelton Harris. And thanks again to Sourcebooks Landmark for sponsoring this episode. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Now, are these in any kind of order or are they just alphabetical, calendar? They are in order of release date. So. Uh, and we'll so I know it's first then because um, the the dad signal went out. It was actually uh, <laughs> we put it on top of the building, and it's a um, it's a pair of uh, of black socks in sneakers. That's what the, actually the dad bat signal looks like, and it must be Masters of the Air uh, coming. This it's week. not. You oh, okay, are incorrect. Well, no, sorry. It is Miss Your Spade, which came out this past uh, Sunday, the 21st, uh, starring Clive Owen. This is on AMC. And it's uh, sort of an imagining of Dashiell Hammett's Sam Spade detective character, made famous by the Maltese Falcon, but was included in many of Dashiell Hammett's novels from the 1920s, 1930s, 1940s. Um, This imagines Sam Spade at the age of 60, uh, so kind of at the end of his career, living as an expat in the south of France in the 1960s. So this takes place after the last Hammett books ended. It actually takes place where Sam Spade is older than Dashiell Hammett was at the time of his own death. Um, I have heard like one passing mention of this on a Mm. TV podcast. I haven't seen anything bad about it. Uh, The early review uh, that I read said, an especially unabashed act of wish fulfillment through and for a beloved protagonist in a good way. Said that this is functionally fan fiction that the makers of the show clearly really love the Sam Spade character Uh, and the, the log line there. I, th- I think it's fun. Detectives at the end of their life. And you'll be shocked, Jeff. It's basically a one last job story. He uh, thinks he's yeah. he's retired. He's in his 60s. He's just living his expat life and a murder happens. And he just happens to be a detective who's obviously going to jump in. So had you heard this of this This is Clive one? Owen, right? I have this heard Clive of this. Owen, I've yeah. seen one screen cap of him in a trench coat and sort of a bendy, seen better days hat of some kind. They... They and what's the network? What's the streaming network? It's on AMC, so it's coming on cable, and you can stream it on AMC Plus or Hulu. Yeah, so prestigious, right? It's not HBO, Mm -hmm. um, but it's also not FX or something or CBS or one of the more. uh, I, I guess we've been trying now for several years as a whole to make the case of the week slash detective focused thing happen. 
And that was Perry Mason. That's Poker Face. Mm -hmm. That's this. That's True Detective. This feels moldy to me to do yeah. an old Sam Spade. Um, I can see why. I, I think if you're going to do this, it needs to be more fun. But one thing those noir books and movies are not, it's a super lot of fun. I don't know what kind of juice Clive Owen has right now. I can't think of the last thing he's been super relevant in. I was watching something with my kids recently. Um, what was it? With that Mark Ruffalo? Oh, it was Begin Again. I was watching with my daughter while we were snowed in here. Kind of a charming movie. And I had the thought of Ruffalo as Columbo in sort of this shambling trench coat, one more thing guy. That I would watch, but this feels too straight ahead for me. Sam Spade is a square, so mm -hmm. I, I don't see this catching on. I don't know, especially like what's catching on now. It's true detective, super high kid concept, super designed. Other than that, you're going to need the CBS crowd, you know, the people that are just sort of turn it on to have another thing to watch. But let me tell you, I was watching football this week, and there is plenty for the NCIS Reacher crowd. <laughs> there, so I don't. There is. This feels like an uncanny valley of it's neither prestige nor for everyone or for people who are retirees. So I, I have very, yeah, I have very I, low expectations for this. I had similar kind of raised eyebrows at it of like, why this? Why now? Other than somebody who likes this character could get access to the rights. Yeah. to do it precisely because like are there a lot of people in prime tv viewing and like streaming audiences who are hu like huge maltese falcon <laughs> fans and and as you stated the like the svu ncis audience there are like 900 variations of those shows yeah. they got all kinds of locations that have ncis's now uh, that can keep that audience occupied and this is on cable so if you've just done like your basic cable package and then you're watching you know everything else on streaming unless you've got amc plus you're probably not accessing this i think the write-up that indicated it's fan fiction like lovingly done probably explains a whole lot wish fulfillment for the writers amc likes to do these kinds of things yeah. feels like the same audience as um for Lucky Hank, the adaptation of Straight Man by Richard which Russo. It didn't exactly which set the world on fire. It did not, exactly. Yes. And I was like, very, I was excited about the idea of it. I love Bob Odenkirk. I made it through two episodes <laughs> before mm -hmm. I bailed on that. I'm afraid that uh, Sam Spade and Clive Owen are headed to the same end here. And let me say all this right. before we get too much. I would love all of these to be great. I would, yeah. I would love to regretfully not watch um, this show <laughs> when, when it's great and people are telling me I should watch it. I, I would be thrilled. I agree. Uh, next one up, we got one more before we get to Masters of the Air is mm. Origin, which is based on the book Cast by Isabel right. Wilkerson. This is in theaters now. The logline here is uh, Isabel Wilkerson, the writer, the movie fictionalized, kind of fictionalizes her life, um, turns what is a work of nonfiction into a story about a writer, a story about a researcher and a journalist who's exploring the unspoken system that has shaped America and chronicles how lives today are defined by a hierarchy of human divisions. It's directed by Ava DuVernay. Starring Ingenue Ellis Taylor as Isabel Wilkerson and John Bernthal, who just it, charming as shit, no matter what he's in, he looks great in this, um, transforms this nonfiction work into a narrative story that 
that audiences are invited in to follow. This has lots of prestige all around it. Ava DuVernay does not mess around. Uh, a really creative take. And I think it's, this stands in interesting contrast to uh, the straight sort of documentary adaptation of Ibram X. Kendi's work that's on Netflix yeah. right now. Those books live in a, a similar place. Um, I really would love to see this succeed for all the reasons. This is such important subject matter. I think it will attract more audiences than a straight up documentary would. And maybe that's all that Ava DuVernay needs. This is, I suspect, not going to be like a huge hit. This is just a tough sell. It's hard subject matter to get people to engage with. What do you think? I think this is a very interesting attempt to adapt this. When I first read about this, I was confused. And when I saw Mm -hmm. the trailer, trailer, my brow did not unfurrow. I think think, um, there's a world in which the spotlight, money ball, hidden figures... Well, actually, no, let me put, not not hidden figures, but the spotlight money ball where you're taking a journalist, making them part of the story or writers and or making the kind of wide ranging trend and you and you boiling it down to have more of a narrative in the case of Moneyball, which is certainly about Billy Bean, but um, the movie itself is the Billy Bean story, which Moneyball was, was really not. It was about a wider trend. I think that's hard to do, but it's it's easier to do when you have sort of a live, more concentrated subject. Cast is a sweeping, synthetic, historical work of intellectual, I guess, creation. It's not investigative in a way where you find stuff out and you knock on a door and there's a revelation there. There's an argument behind it that is something other than just there's these priests or what if we t- thought about walks instead of hits. Um and I found the trailer confounding. Maybe the maybe her story is more interesting than I know. I don't know a lot about um, Wilkerson herself, but this is not. I'm going to go out into the field and discover race or cast or knock on doors and has a real urgent sort of how did they do that gumshoe kind of quality to it. And I think it's going to be an interesting failure um, mm-hmm. in terms of the market. I think it's very hard sell in a million different ways. I think it's a super interesting way of tackling it. Uh, but I, as someone who is primed to be interested, I would have absolutely watched a documentary version. I'm not sure I'm going to, I'm not sure I'm going to, I've read yeah. the book and I probably would see a documentary. Maybe I'd show the kids a documentary, but I keep looking like, is this a love story? What, what is the, nar- I, I just couldn't figure out what was going on in the trailer, what I was supposed to care about exactly. Yeah. It's very confusing. I have those same questions about it. I also read the book. Um, I think, the film looks like it has the like the trappings and the tropes of a like a classic reporting story. Yeah. Like we talked about She Said and The Post on a recent episode. But that, as you were saying, this is not investigative reporting. She's coming from a really strong perspective. Like, if anything, it's a connecting all of the dots between things that pre- previously folks had not connected or at least yeah. connected in the way yeah. that Wilkerson does. Like, it's more of a red string on the wall kind of theory <laughs> conversation than it is watch this reporter go out and get this information and do these things. And of course, that's really hard to convey on screen. This is one of those where, even though I think the documentary is a tougher sell than a narrativized story version. I can see a documentary being closer to both the spirit and the letter of uh, the content here and exactly the kind of thing that like you could show to 
your kids, you could show it to like whoever is not going to sit down and read the book. But this actually feels ripe to me for like an eight episode limited series of like something that would break down sort of each of the important historical moments or pieces of Wilkerson's theory. Uh, But I I think I understand the uh, idea to transmute it into something that's a little bit more fictionalized because it does make it more relatable. I wonder how much of it gets lost in the doing of that. Yeah, I think if you're going to make it into a feature film, you have to do something like this, right? You have to find some narrative that's compressed and that you can tell in a 90 or 120 minute that has characters who are moving around and alive. But, you know, sometimes the the work isn't subject to that. Or you have to do something very strange, or not very strange, but you have to do a kind of a focus, um, you know, in a money ball kind of a situation. Mm-hmm. Um in that regard, but I'll be again. If I'm if I'm wrong and the reviews are amazing, I actually thought this came out last year, but this is award season. Maybe it came out in New York and L.A. in like nine theaters, mm-hmm. and it's getting a wider release now. So that's yeah, I think it did technically premiere in late 2023. It went to some of the film festivals, and now it's in wide release. Yeah. Um, I'll I think I'm going to watch it when it hits streaming. So I'll have opinions yeah. about this. In All a right, I look months. forward to you telling me if I'm right or wrong, or if our Spidey sense is right or wrong on this. <laughs> All right, next up, Masters of the Air. During World now War II, we here we go. Five miles above the ground and behind enemy lines, 10 men inside a bomber known as the Flying Fortress battle unrelenting flocks of German fighters. Comes to Apple this Friday, January 26th. It's based on the book by Donald L. Miller. Band of Brothers, but in the sky, that's the vibe? I mean, shoot it into my veins. I don't know what else to say about it at this point. Can you run through the cast for me, for the people out there? I may have a tattooed on the back of my eyelids, but I'm not sure everyone else does. All right, so they got the, first they got the production team from Band of Brothers back together. Couple guys you might have heard of, Steven Spielberg, Tom Hanks, Carrie Joji Fukunaga, uh, who is directing all of these episodes, uh, famously directed the entire first season of True Detective, directed some really popular episodes of Breaking Bad. Carrie Fukunaga may be the best in the business at the uh, episodic TV situation. We've got Austin Butler. We've got some other people in the cast. Frankly, I was more interested in the production team. Uh, Mm. This is the platonic ideal of dad TV. And and a real illustration of how anyone can be a dad, I will be watching this. Anyone can be a dad. Um, My son and I, and and Michelle too, I think we watched all of them together over the summer of Band of Brothers. He's a real history nut at this point. A perfect series. I mean, it re- as, or, or as close to mm-hmm. perfect as you can possibly get. It holds up unbelievably well stylistically, thematically, narrative structure, character, actor, performance, production design. The whole thing is is wild. And I can see why. And The Pacific was also very good. And again, your first time, mm-hmm. it's hard to do. They kind of ran it back. Um, this is an extremely cinematic idea. Apple, they needed Apple money to do this because it's expensive yes, as Band of Brothers. How about let's do it all in the plane up there? You know, that, <laughs> that is not easy to do. My one, my one, hesita- it's not really even a hesitation, but the difference here is no one knew to a, to a first approximation who Damian Lewis was, who's the protagonist played really by, beautifully by Captain, uh, the character Captain Dick Winters, the real person. People knew Ron Livingston a little bit, but not that mm-hmm. much. And his sort of and not in that fiddle. context, certainly. And then a murderer's mo of people that turned into people, Michael Fassbender, Andrew Scott, you know, the whole other people in there. I wonder if, do you need Austin Butler? Do you need the other people that are in this? Or is it cooler if they just feel like the character and you don't have the Elvis 
fade Routha kind of imprimatur on that. I can understand from a marketing perspective, sure, maybe more people are going to watch it if Austin Butler's in it. Though I'm not sure that's the case. Um, but I kind of would prefer this is the first time I'm encountering this actor myself, yeah. but that's a very specific uh, I'm looking point. at the cast list now and Austin Butler and Barry Keoghan are the the big names, Callum Turner. Uh, and then the rest of the cast is built out by folks that I, I, I'm not familiar with. I'm right. sure they have some TV, some movie experience, but nobody else who's a, a that guy or more famous than that right. recognizable. Um, I think it really, the casting of Austin Butler really speaks to just like that there is basically no distinction between a TV star and a movie star yeah, anymore. Right. The movie stars are doing TV. This is the kind of prestige TV that they want to do. But I totally agree that this is the kind of series where, especially with the Apple money and the production team, that's behind the creation of it you could do a cast of like full unknowns and it would make people's careers put them out uh, into public consciousness and really you know set them up to do a bunch of interesting things going forward there's kind of no way this isn't great right no i mean at the very least it's gonna look amazing because bombers over germany getting shot at by flak and there's you know there's we have a we have a we have a a, a bogey at 12 o'clock high you don't have to do much more than that. Now, what does the connective tissue look like? Um, does Austin Butler die in the first episode or second? I could believe that, right? Like, mm-hmm. the mortality rates for these <laughs> planes are not great. Um, so I don't know. I haven't read this book, by the way. Uh, my, I think my dad has. So I don't know exactly how, who makes it out and who doesn't. Because one of the things that, that happens in Band of Brothers is that people coming on, on and off stage. And I'll put mm-hmm. that very delicately at this point. Um so it is going to look great. I really, I'm glad it's a series. I kind of wish I could also see it in the theater somehow because I'm sure it's going to look incredible. Oh, yeah. um, but anyway, I know a lot about this world. Uh, I used to really be into planes when I was a kid, and I had you know Jane's warplanes annuals and stuff like that. I built model airplanes. My dad was a naval flight surgeon. Um, my uncle's in the Air Force. My grandfather flew B- B-17 Flying Fortresses in World War II. So I was all up in this. So I don't know that I could be more primed to, to be excited about this. Um, I think my dad is sitting in his chair right now just waiting. He's not going to get up. He's uh, <laughs> he's, he's just on turret. the Apple TV yeah. home screen. <laughs> he's just, just waiting. Waiting, for, waiting for it to go live where we can, we can, we can press play. Uh, do you know how many episodes? Six, eight, ten? It's probably in the six or eight. Yeah, it's in that zone. It is. Uh, let's see. Where did that go? I just had my While notes. you're looking, I can vamp for a second, too. I wonder, Barry Keoghan and Austin Butler, this has been in the works for a while. I mm-hmm. wonder if they got cast a little bit before they blew up. Um, Austin Butler. Oh, that's very there's possible. There's a chance he was cast before he got Elvis. Mm-hmm. Barry Keoghan, since this is Bandit, she's in Ishir and in Saltburn. Like, those two movies hadn't come out, I would guess, when he got cast. So there could be a little bit of... Um, Maybe they were a little early on these guys yeah, and makes sense. they're a bit bigger now at this point. It is nine episodes, so you get two of them Weird. this Friday, and then you get one a week until March 15th when it wraps. Uh, nine so, episodes, okay. Mm-hmm. They, that's happening. These like odd numbers of episodes are happening There's more no and more often. There's no reason to be an even number. Where, huh. Right, where it's just like, this is the number of episodes we need to make oh. this thing. Uh, so they... They go for it. So that's I wonder nine. if one of those episodes might be like a mop-up documentary. Like Band of Brothers has one of these like the real men of Easy Company where that's just the, these really wonderful interviews that um, bracket. I guess 
like the beginning of the episodes, but you, you get a whole mm-hmm. episode of just them talking and more background. Yeah. I want to ask, since you said you wish you could see it in the theater, if you could yeah. access this nine episode limited series in a theater, are you going once a week for nine weeks? Are you going one day for 10 hours? Well, I don't what are you know. doing? What's the dream? So let, let me see here. If, um, if it follows a Band of Brothers structure, which I assume it might, the first episode will be training, getting the, here's all of our characters, we're learning how this is going to work. And then there's going to be like the first mission, the first live mission, mm-hmm. and that one I'd want to see in the theater, when they're really fighting, you know, Messerschmitts, uh, and they're really doing stuff, and they're really kind of, you know, the landing gear won't come down. Yeah, because the top I can't imagine stuff. every single episode is going to have the mission of the week. It just, I don't know how narratively that would work. And that's one thing I'm, I'm fairly interested in. What's the narrative tension? Um, because unlike Band of Brothers, like they're coming back to base every day, assuming they make it back. Whereas the Band of Brothers, you're following them through the European campaign. Um, so what is, is it just who's going to make it? Uh, Squid Game style? I could imagine that being um, the way that goes. So I think I'd pick my spot. Um, because Star uh, Disney has done this where you could see, what was it? The first episode of... Uh, well, come on. What's the one that just came out? Ashoka. You could, oh. They played the first, or you could see them back to back where they did it for press, where the first two episodes, you, there were local screeners, we could go see it in the theater. I think that would be super cool. Especially That's this really time of year. That's a interesting idea. Yeah. I like that. All right, right. Next up, also coming out this Friday, January 26th, The Expats. This is coming to Amazon Prime. Mm. It is adapted by uh, adapted from the novel The Expatriates by Janice Y.K. Lee. It's a look at the personal and professional lives of a tight-knit group of expatriates living in Hong Kong. Dives into marriage, motherhood, and the search for connection far from home. The big name here is Nicole Kidman. She's doing this prestige adaptation thing. This is a move she's got now. Big Little Lies and Nine Perfect Strangers. Okay. I feel like expatriates made the book club People in Hong Kong being the subject, I guess. That's what we're doing. What's the the time period? I guess it's current. This is contemporary. So I have no mental model of what this is going to feel like. I have no nothing about this. I think neither. the first time I'd seen this is when you put it and I didn't do any looking at it. I, sty- is she going to get caught up in something? Like, I don't, I don't get it. Are we working for Goldman Sachs and moving money? I, I don't understand. How much of it is just a marriage, motherhood, and the search for connection, and it happens to be the, the vehicle yeah. for that is that you're an expat? That's, that's kind of what it, where I think this lives. It sounds to me like domest- mostly like domestic fiction uh, that's been or just relocated uh, for this character's purposes i haven't heard a whole lot about this no. either it came up as i was googling adaptations coming out <laughs> this winter yep, sure um it's like okay amazon's doing it they've got that amazon money it was probably a bunch of it was shot on location i bet nicole kidman sure um this seems like what my mom is gonna pick when she's scrolling through prime just looking for something to watch but i don't know yeah. that there's like an avid audience of this book waiting for this adaptation no and i mean this i have i don't think i've heard of this book not to my recollection here so i would guess it's going to be that it's an well most of these like none of these so far really are relying too much maybe the duvernay how much of them are really relying on the underlying Mm -hmm. book i guess the same spade as the ip but there is no 
single book for which it is right. the source material. Yeah. The next, this next one, I think will pretty heavily rely on the book. It's The Feud, Capote versus the Swans. Yeah. It's coming to FX and FX on Hulu on January 31st. Truman Capote is the toast of New York society, but a dishy excerpt published in Esquire magazine threatens to topple him from his precarious perch. This is based on a book called Capote's Women by Lawrence Lemer. It's created by Ryan Murphy. Uh, the Feud is an anthology series. The first and only previous season was in 2017. So I guess Ryan Murphy being Ryan Murphy, like, does one of these when he finds a story that is interesting enough to do it. The 2017 season was about the feud between Betty Davis and someone. Uh, the stars this year, the women who are, Capote calls them the swans, uh, who are sort of his inner circle, but one of them is connected, or at least one of them is connected to this excerpt about him that makes its way into Esquire, and he's trying to suss out, like, basically who's betrayed him. Yep. Callista Flockhart, Molly Ringwald, Diane Lane, Chloe Sevigny, Naomi Watts, Tom Hollander, Catherine Zeta-Jones, Kathy Bates, Kiernan Shipka, and that's not even the whole list. Um... (laughs) Could be really. In- I know this story a little bit. I did an annotated episode about the end of Truman Capote's life and basically him burning his society connections at the end. Mm-hmm. So I'm a little. I think this is probably before that. Capote ingratiated himself into New York high society and observed, got tips, gossiped, lunched, um, lit a lot of cigarettes, poured a lot of martinis, um, heard a lot of complaints from. You know, the, the the people in Mad Men that you didn't really spend much time with. The people that showed up on the arm of the Coca-Cola executive. The, yes. You know, Don Draper's, uh, I guess, January Jones. Uh, Betty, uh, Betty Draper would have been um, uh, a swan. Not not high enough. Not, not enough pull. Mm-hmm. There's going to be a lot of acting in this. I will say that. I don't yes. know how good the acting is going to be. <laughs> this is going to be a chance to strut and preen and glance and have really bold makeup and very swirly hair. Uh, (laughs) I don't know who's playing Capote. I I looked at the the person playing Capote is not amongst the headlining names here. So I don't know if that's going to be a special reveal. I don't know who I'd be most excited to see play at this point. Yeah, uh, this is uh, super interesting. I had not heard of this one until I was sitting around on New Year's Eve with friends, like killing time, waiting for the ball to drop. And a commercial for this came on and I was like, er, like, what yep. is Callista Flockhart doing? And then there's Molly Ringwald, and then there's Chloe Sevigny. It was like, what is this going to be? And oh, now it's a it's a Truman Capote thing. Maybe the most interesting of this lineup is that all eight of the episodes in the limited series are directed by Gus Van Zant, who directed things like Goodwill Hunting, yeah. Milk, Finding Forrester. Big, big name here. This is, I think, either <laughs> high variance, either going to be like really pretty good or really pretty bad. I don't see a way that something this stacked with talent and this loaded for, you know, just atmosphere and people telling secrets and being glamorous and all of this stuff. It's it's either great or it's like super not great. Yeah, I'd almost be more interested to see this as like a play um, mm. where it's set in a couple of restaurants and a couple of uh, uh, parlors. Um, but it could be very interesting if it's not super long. I don't know how many episodes. Do you know how many episodes? It it's has eight. It's eight episodes. Yeah. Damn it! It's like you got to earn your eight. I think so. Like five to six is usually the golden I, zone. I, for I was stuff hoping like for this. six. I was hoping yeah. for six. Um, that that is a lot of butter uh, or a lot of bread, and I don't know how much butter there is here. 
um, in this particular yeah, story. Yeah, I think maybe other rather than the Ryan Murphy version of this story, what my heart really wants is the Baz Luhrmann musical version. Like totally. make it two, make it two yeah. hours, cover it in sequins, spill the That's champagne right. everywhere. Let's do it. Yeah. Okay, next up, coming out February second. Argyle. Ar- is it Argyle? Argyll? The double L's are confusing I think it's me. Argyle. I don't know. No one knows. No one what's going on with this. We're all the cat in the backpack just along for the ride at this point. We are. This particular movie. An introverted spy novelist is drawn into the activities of a sinister underground syndicate. It's adapted from the book that just came out by the now famous pen name Ellie Conway, who is definitely not Taylor Swift. Right. This hits theaters February 2nd. It's directed by Matthew Vaughn, who directed Snatch, Lockstock and Two Smoking Barrels, Layer Cake, Kick-Ass, a bunch of like really kind of hard-boiled, gritty mm-hmm. movies. Those are, and I think as I really looked at that more, this lends credence to one of the theories you floated on a previous episode that maybe Matthew Vaughn is the one who wrote this book. Now, the screenplay has a, a different person's name, a real person connected to the screenplay. But we were kind of speculating, like, what if Matthew yeah. Vaughn did something here? Uh, and everyone in the world is in this movie. Henry Cavill, Bryce Dallas Howard. The story here is the conspiracy theories around who wrote this book. I have not actually seen anyone talk about the actual substance of the book or the movie. Not a great sign. No. Uh, I have to say, my first encounter was this w- with this was watching something on TV with my kids where there were ads, which is a little unusual. And we saw a trailer for it, and we're like, that looks like if you're taking the piss out of Mission Impossible, that's the kind of movie <laughs> you're going to make. Like, all these spy movies where Gal Gadot is jumping out of planes in high heels are kind of silly. Um, and this is taking it to a next level, o- almost like a a pastiche or a parody of these kind of already self-consciously silly movies. Like that might be a fun two hours on a Friday night on Netflix. If it was on this, it's, it's, I think it's very strange as a theatrical release. Um, is it surrealistic zany? And let me be perfectly honest about it. My single biggest problem with this is Henry Cavill's hairpiece. <laughs> I don't know what they're doing with this. It, I don't know if it's supposed Choices to be terrible. Were made. I don't know what the, it, because there's a world in which it's like self-consciously campy and bad, or that's the best they could do. I, I just don't know. That's I feel wrong-footed about this whole situation um, at the same I'm time. Because still... there's a version of this where it's knives out for action movies, right? Like it's really yeah, slick and really smart, fun. and you get someone eating up the screen. But there's a part of this that it's, you know, the gray man or Red Notice, which are these yeah, really forgettable, like, bad waste of people's time and attention. Yeah, like it doesn't quite know what it wants to be, is my impression yeah. of it, that a really, a Knives Out is a perfect example. A really good version could be like Knives Out. That's a Ryan Johnson kind of vibe. Right, right. Um, I don't know about Matthew Vaughn here. Yeah, I am not going to be spending my movie theater dollars on this. Mm-hmm. I'm probably not going to be spending my streaming time either i think we you and i have decided to sit out the argyle content i think we're just I mean, here for i'm the, happy to watch <laughs> i'm happy that people are enjoying themselves <laughs> yeah. with the argyle content uh the latest theory i mentioned this in today in books yesterday the most recent theory is that the book has no human writer that the uh and this comes from a reviewer on Amazon who floats the idea that the man who wrote the screenplay, that the screenplay came first and they just were like, this would be a great book. We should market the book as a tie in to the movie and just fed the screenplay into like chat GPT and let AI write the novel. 
Which at this point is as believable as anything else. That makes me want to jump off something tall. <laughs> that is... That is... Okay. <laughs> okay. I hope that's not yeah. true. Okay. I hope it's not true also. I mean... Yeah. I am still scarred from like 15 years ago seeing Nicholas Sparks at the National Book Festival talking about how he sold the idea for, I believe it was The Notebook, before for the movie, before he had written the book. This is like, this is true of, if it's not The Notebook, it's another Nicholas Sparks one. Nights at Rodanth, whatever it is. One of them. And if you told me that that is what had happened, like if we had AI secretly 15 years ago and they had fed the screenplay into ChatGPT to produce a Nicholas Sparks book... I would believe it. I hope this is not true for Argyle. But there, but, there is the version of this non-IP action genre stuff, big budget that feels it's if not a, AI paint by numbers. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I throw there's a bunch of these like this. Rebel Moon is like if you threw Star Wars into AI and got something terrible and boring, beautiful and boring. That's what uh-huh. those. Uh, Red Notice, I, I think, uh, Gray Man, all the Heart of Stone, I mean, like they're they're all beautiful I think we're and boring. Just, about to have a bunch of romanticy books that feel this way that like here's the paint by numbers for yeah the, I guess the bells so. you've got to ring for this stuff yeah I, i'd at least i'd at least like to enter into a new um selection of tropes yeah. right like give me give me different tropes if same let's see something know. fresh yeah. all right well here's one this one's for me i think it may also be for you hmm. the taste of things it's coming to yeah, theaters I'm excited. february 9th yes i don't it's think i knew story. this was based on a book it is so this is the story of eugenie an esteemed cook and doden the fine gourmet with whom she has been working and some other mm. things for over the last 20 years. It's based on the 1920 novel by Marcel Roof. I uh, love to ha- see it. Let's go. Yes. Let's do it. Just what can we find yep. that's in the public domain <laughs> and we're making sauces and wearing clothes and we're just out here in the Being and French. doing stuff. Yeah, let's go. Yeah. And they are doing stuff. Uh, the I'm not going to try to pronounce the French title of the novel, yeah. but it translates in English to The Passionate Epicure. Uh, stars Juliette Binoche. I mean... Mm. I'm already just a million percent in, uh, but it was written and directed by An Hung Tran, who uh, did the adaptation of Norwegian Wood, the Murakami novel, in 2010. So he's no stranger. I have not seen, by the way. I have not either. I've never seen that adaptation, which Uh, I can only imagine is a, it's a journey. Yeah, there's no way that this is more complicated than adapting a Murakami novel. Um, So no stranger to the idea of literary adaptations. Not a whole lot else on Tron's, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, docket. Uh, We haven't seen a whole lot of work from him. I don't know any of the other stars of this show. But give two hours of Juliette Binoche looking fabulous and sexy and being in a kitchen. Tasting soups, tasting sauces, leaning over and Adding butter to things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, now we're talking. Yeah. Yeah, just feeding each other little tastes of things on wooden spoons uh, all the way. February 9th, The Taste of Things. All right, looking forward to that. We're in. Is that theatrical? <laughs> Do I get to stream yes. that at home? Is that a okay. theatrical release? God, February, damn yeah, it. I thought we figured this out. Okay, good for theaters, bad for me. <laughs> I mean, the window between theatrical and streaming it's true. is it's shortening true. quite a bit. Um, yeah. So so we'll see. But. I think that one's. I want to see that on a big screen. Early, I want I've surround heard a couple sound. of early reviews on this that it's excellent. So me too. Um, secondary yeah. indicators are good. Give me that Dolby surround sound for butter sizzling in a pan. I need it. Okay, next one. This one just looks like fun. 
Lisa Frankenstein, also coming to theaters February 9th. It's a coming-of-rage love story about a teenager and her crush who happens to be a corpse after a set of horrific circumstances brings him back to life. <laughs> yes. I learned the term corpsicle on the newest episode of I mean, True that Detective. and poor things, just corpses really... I don't, there's so many jokes, and I can't come up with any of them, but the revivification of the corpse uh, story is, is really It's exciting. a real body of work. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, so after a set of horrific circumstances bring him back to life, the two embark on a journey to find love, happiness, and a few missing body parts. This is written by Diablo Cody, who wrote Juno, among other things. Uh, the stars all look like relative newcomers to me. This just looks like fun. This looks like you want to take your teenage kids to see something, or you're, yeah. when it hits streaming, I will watch this, I'm sure, on a Friday night, where like, yeah, sure, teenage Frankenstein. Um, maybe between this and Poor Things... We could do some kind of, maybe there's an episode about the best Frankenstein adaptations. God knows there's plenty of them. Yeah, yeah. There's a Beetlejuice 2 coming out, which is also back from the dead, but not based on uh, a book with a pre-existing IP. Um, You know, Diablo Cody, when Juno came out, I remember thinking, this is what I want all my screenplays Mm -hmm. to sound like. I've Mm -hmm. watched it actually relatively recently. I watched the first 45 minutes of it. I think I think when Page Boy came out, I was like, let me remember what this moment was like because I remember it distinctly. I was you know yeah. in my twenties and the right age, hyper stylized. It feels super dated at this point, but I think Cody's career probably has under. I don't want to say achieved because she's written a lot of screenplays that have got made into stuff, but I can think of Tully, Megan's Body, nothing that's really bubbled through and broken through in any particular kind of way, but continues to write and continues to get stuff made. Pretty fascinating to see um, Mm -hmm. at this point. Yeah. Okay, next one. This one is for you and for my vicarious Ah. entertainment of your joy. Dune Part (laughs) 2. Listen, we've been wandering out here, all the dune heads in the sea, in the sands of Arrakis for two years now. It's been delayed. Um, We're ready to go. It's time. I think this is is going to be the movie of the year. It's going yeah. to be, this section is Zendaya heavy, which the first section of Dune, um, well, Chani, it's Chani, the character is Chani, it's Chani Light, but we're now going, following Paul into the realm of the Fremen and everything that happens out the year. It's going to get very strange quickly, and it only gets stranger from there. We've heard that the next movie is sort of greenlit, which I would be fine without, to be perfectly honest with you. All I need is Dune. And all I'm looking forward to in the movie year is Dune. I don't care what else is coming out. The first movie is good. It's very good. It's beautiful. It's got everybody. It's got everything that you want out of this high fantasy. Maybe a little, felt a little bloodless. Um, There's a couple scenes where Momoa comes in and he just has a different kind of warmth and charm um, Mm. that you kind of need in something that Villeneuve is not the most... It's not the warmest director. Kind of wants things to look yeah. like modern art museums. He's... But I think Zendaya and and Chalamet, if they can have a little heat going between them, which I fully believe they can, that will give us some embers to warm these beautiful desert vistas um, that both somehow seem hot and cold at the same time. <laughs> under Denis it's a great way to direction. put it. Yeah, this comes out March 1st. 
in theaters. Uh, you've got Chalamet, you've got Zendaya, Austin Butler is playing the big bad, you've got Florence Pugh, and then Villeneuve, who directed Arrival and Sicario, among other things. So mm. I think your description there, like, is not, he's not typically doing like warm and that idea no. that things kind of look like a cold or more clinical or art museum sort of environment really fits. I'm uh, stoked to absorb whatever hilarious commentary comes from you and happens to the people who are going to hang out in my house watching this while I'm you, just there's nothing funny to around. Say about this. We don't joke about Dune in this house. <laughs> okay. There's a good well, chance I will see this by myself in the afternoon on my birthday on March 11th. I, I could, that's, that's what I'm looking forward to. I, I love that for you. By myself, because no one in my family mm-hmm. was both A, available, B, interested, or C, willing to go along. So you know what? That's Okay. You could do it is okay. Yourself. Going Games to the movies by yourself is one of life's yeah. great joys. Like I have a TED talk about this in me for yeah. sure. It's I the best. I would prefer for someone to go with me, but I will not be sad to go by myself if, it, if that's what ends up happening. So that is coming out March 1st. The week before that, we will be rerunning the Adaptation Nation episode yep. that you did with Jen and our previous colleague, Amanda Nelson, uh, about the first installment. So if you are just catching up to the Dune excitement, that'll be in the feed uh, in about a month. Um, and then I'm sure we'll have some chatter about Dune Part 2. Yeah. Okay, this next one, also coming March 1st. It's coming to Netflix, Spaceman, starring Adam Sandler. This is based on the book Spaceman of Bohemia by Yara. Love Kalfar, which I read when it came out about 10 yep, years ago. I remember too. liking it. It was a vibe. I can tell you nothing about it at this point. So the log line is that it's about Jakob Prochaska, who was orphaned as a boy and raised in the Czech countryside by his grandparents, overcomes the odds to become the country's first astronaut. And he is in space by himself. He is lonely. It is about alienation and relationships and identity. Adam Sandler and Carrie Mulligan. The screenplay was written by Calfar and Colby Day, um, directed by John Rank, who did Chernobyl, as I think you mentioned recently. Yes. Uh, along with a few episodes of Breaking Bad, Bloodline, and The Walking Dead. So some real prestige TV experience coming to this film. I had, like, this was not on my radar until the trailer dropped last week. I think you put it in today in books, and I think mm-hmm. I'm in. This looks great. I'm into. I remember when this deal was made because it's so unusual. It's an unusual book that actually sold pretty well when it came out. And that I think Sandler was attached to it right from the beginning of the trade sort of rumors that this was a thing to do. Sandler has done this a few times where I, and I, I'm not the biggest Sandler guy in the world in terms of the, the comedy kind of stuff. I've been out on all the Netflix billions of dollars he's made for them running around and saying gobbledygoo. But, <laughs> With um, Jennifer Aniston. But yeah. every now and again, he does one of these where it's like, maybe he just wants to do it. Is he trying to get an Oscar? Is he just, I'm more than that guy? I don't know why he wants to do these. I, I mean, that's not rhetorical. I'd be super curious yeah, to it's really interesting. why he does this. But this is going to be a lot of Sandler. This is his ver- This is his Martian where it's going to be a lot of him mm-hmm. in space floating around and it's much stranger, which I think makes sense yeah. where it's not a Matt Damon or an Affleck or a Tom Holland because you want sort of a, a weirdo. You want someone with a little bit of a personality and a face and a demeanor. Um, it gets pretty strange. I was reminding myself of the plot and is he hallucinating? Is something else happen? This is the... This is the... Uh, continental literary fiction version of uh, Project Hail Mary <laughs> appeals to me a little bit. 
right. which I'm all into. All into. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. I'm fascinated to see this. The trailer looks like a million bucks, as I said in today's book. Yeah, it the, looks the great. Chernobyl, which was directed by the same person. The production design was, you know, spared no expense or or attention. I guess spared no attention mm-hmm. to detail, um, and getting to imagine what a Eastern European space capsule might look like and who those people would be looks terrific. And probably the only thing you get that gets made if you get a Sandler. And yes. maybe part of his deal is one for them, one for me. I'll do Murder Mystery 2 with Aniston, but you're going to green light Spaceman? I would right. love to know this. Yeah, um, I got to do one and very uncut gems. negotiator. Yeah. I've heard some things yeah. about, um, I don't think I'm, I'm said, but like negotiating with various people of like, I get a break for basketball or I'm not making the movie, stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, that may be a boulderization of the actual well. story, but stuff like that. So I wouldn't be surprised if, yeah, I'm going to sign up for, you know, something a little more crowd pleasy, Sandler, tropey, but I'm going to get to make this weird Spaceman movie by a check writer. Um, yeah, he, he does these, Adam Sandler does these really interesting partnerships when he yeah. goes off of the goofy you know, like straight ahead comedy situation, working with the Safties to do uncut gems. That's a really unexpected Adam Sandler turn, but he's had these in his career for like the last 20 or 30 years going all the way back to, um, Oh, something with love in the title. Punch drunk <laughs> love. The, I mean, yes. Did, I mean, he does those, like he can be mad. Adam Madler, like does that very well. Cause that's part mm-hmm. of like the, the Sandler shtick. I don't know. How, I don't, what, he relied on that in both of those roles. So he could get dark and big mm-hmm. and really seems unhinged. I don't, it, well, who's he going to scream at in this? Yeah. I mean, I, this feels like something else, a real acting showcase, which would be fascinating to see. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting. All right, let's do another sponsor break real quick. And we got time for what? Two or three Couple more before yeah. we have to get out of here. All right, where do you want to go next? Okay, we'll quickly mention Three Body Problems coming to ah. Netflix on March 21st. It follows the story of humanity's first contact with an alien civilization and is adapted from the enormous series by Shishin Liu. It's written by David Benioff, who you might know from Game of Thrones and The Kite yeah. Runner and The 25th Hour and a whole bunch of other things. Yes, big, big name there. Um the note here, I guess, for folks who are not familiar is if you're if you care about this kind of stuff, Netflix did move forward with the production even after Liu expressed support for China's mass internment of Uyghur people. I think we mentioned this on a previous episode, yes. but there's a little more. You can Google your way to a little more about that if you're trying to suss out whether this is something for you mm-hmm. or not. Huge sci-fi situation, probably going to be interesting. Not my flavor. Um, Brought back a bunch of the cast of Game of Thrones. Um, Benioff yeah. and Weiss were the showrunners for for the Game of Thrones show and some familiar favorites there. I'm very excited about this. I am less excited given Lou's background and this is where we are in this world. It's like buyer beware, no going mm-hmm. in, knowing what kind of, how you feel about supporting stuff like this. Um, this feels to me like a relic of a former age in the adaptation streaming mm-hmm. wars. This does not get greenlit today. I agree. It's super expensive. It's just <laughs> and a huge commitment. <laughs> just enormous. Yeah. Um, Leanne Moriarty running her whole thing back. Apples Never Fall is the latest, more, latest Moriarty to be adapted. It is about the Delaney family, which seems happy until Joy disappears, which forces her husband and her four adult children to reassess their family history. This is coming to Peacock in March, but no, or supposedly it's coming to Peacock in March, but there's no um, final release date or real information available. So if Moriarty 
is your flavor. I certainly had a good time with Big Little Lies. Um, keep an eye out on that. And the last one I really want to talk about, the trailer yeah. dropped yesterday, Ripley from Netflix, starring Andrew Scott, based on Patricia Highsmith's novel, The Talented Mr. Ripley. A grifter named Ripley lives in New York during the 60s. He's hired by a wealthy man to begin a complex life of deceit, fraud, and murder. We've got Andrew Scott. We've got Dakota Fanning. We've got John Malkovich popping up. A bunch of other people. I had to like apologize for myself in the Today in Books notes today where I was just like, friends, it rips. Like, what can I say? Yeah. This looks this looks great. It's an eight-episode limited series coming to Netflix God, on April 4th. Yeah. It does look terrific. Andrew Scott being a manipulative um, high society leech, I think, is a good use of his sinister charms, um, which are interesting to think about what Andrew Scott's particular flavor. He seems like a super warm and affable person in real life, but there's something that he can tap into. Famously played Moriarty in the in the BBC mm-hmm. Sherlock series of mini movies. That that whole genre. I was trying to explain to my kids. Well, it's a series, but each of them are 120 minutes long. It's like, wait, what are we talking? And there's three of them per season. It's it's wild and actually holds up wonderfully well. And he's terrific in it. Um, having a real mo- moment as well with all of us strangers, which yes. I can't even talk about the trailer. Oh, I saw it this weekend, <laughs> and I le- <laughs> was just waiting to be like Jeff. <laughs> just get- it's a five alarm snot bomb. Yeah, Michelle was trying to describe <laughs> the premise to our kids over dinner and couldn't make it through. Like it, it, just, it's- just, just, just. Uh, yeah. so looking forward to that. It, now I haven't looked enough at it, and it's been a while since I have read the original Talented Mr. Ripley, there's a series of Ripley books. So is this the Talented Mr. Ripley remade or is it one of the subsequent sort of Ripley stories? Do you know if it's the all the material I've come across refers directly to the Talented Mr. Ripley. Um, I don't know how technical or specific the adaptation is or if the journalists are like super concerned that it's the talented Mr. Ripley versus the Ripley books. Because there's like Ripley's Um, game and some other stuff too that I don't know as well. I think it looks pretty close to talented Mr. Ripley. The character that Dakota Fanning is playing is the same character as who Gwyneth Paltrow played in the 1999 version with Matt Damon. Um, Andrew Scott, just the range on Andrew Scott, like from the hot priest on Fleabag (laughs) to all of us strangers to this. Um, And interestingly, like, I think he's technically too old for this role. He's only six years younger than Matt Damon, and Matt Damon played this character 25 years ago. But he can act both. He can kind of sell younger and older, and I just decided I don't care. I just don't care that Andrew Scott... I don't care about that. I I think the reason I'm asking is there's different Ripley's, because I think the, the uh, the movie adaptation of Talented Mystery with the Damon one is unbelievably good. No notes. I it don't is. think we need yes, another one of those. It's very good. Um, I don't think we're looking around for an Andrew Scott thing. This thing probably kind of like Spaceman is if you can find the right person, we're going to make it, but we're not going to make it mm-hmm. just because. It's a, it's a really yeah. wonderful vehicle. I'm sure he got paid a bunch of money. Um, he, hasn't, he hasn't had a chance to be the lead, the number one lead actor in something like this before. He's been the, the he's been Hot Priest. Um, he's been... You know, and all of us strangers, kind of the the one A in a two hander. Well, it's, it's a kind of a four hander, I guess. That one it looks like. Mm-hmm. But he hasn't had a chance to be Andrew Scott is Ripley, kind of like you know, name is it's, character. Yeah, it's a movie a star moment. This. So yeah. I can see why he'd want to do this. Um, I would be, I'd be eleven percent more interested if it's Ripley. If you've seen Talented Mr. Ripley, read the book, 
you know, what if it's the next day after that mm-hmm. ends or the next summer or the next, where does he go next? Um, maybe it is that and they're being a little bit, uh, I guess, schmeary with the IP original story. But I will watch this. I oh, wish yeah. it was four. I wish it was five. I know. And it's a little long. I was looking at our podcast calendar this morning and I was like, how long should I assume it'll take Jeff to get through eight episodes of this after it comes out? It will either be but, three months or three days, depending on how yeah. good. Well, <laughs> in, good in like six weeks, I'm going to ask you to commit to something. <laughs> and then yeah. we can rewatch the 1999 one, which has an 85% tomato, tomato rating on Rotten Tomatoes. And I don't think that's high enough. That's a great movie. Uh, so Damon's we can watch them. We'll do some Philip Seymour Hoffman is unbelievable. Ugh. And then it's Law great. and Paltrow are just, it's just they're, a hell of a cast. It's a great. So hot in that movie, unbelievably hot. Yeah, twenty five years is also this. That's a good amount of time to do a run back like this. There are folks who are going to watch this on Netflix who weren't alive or of at least like movie watching age when the nineteen ninety nine version came sure. out, and they probably have never gone back to it. This looks like a good run back. I remember your logic so for ready. that when we're wringing our hands about the Harry Potter stuff because it'll be twenty five years. <laughs> yes, except everybody has seen those. I'm just it, saying, this, this logic I'm just relies saying. on a lot of people have not gone back. We're nerds. We we saw the talented mystery of play. These people. They, here's the other thing. These people are all still relevant. Jude Law, yeah. Paltrow, Damon Hoffman, mm-hmm. rest his soul. These are all relevant people, and yeah. you, you, I'm gonna have a hard time believing. <laughs> that anyone's going to play the Hoffman role better. Oh, I know. Um, so anyway. Yeah, that's it's a bold move. So really looking forward to to Ripley. Those are the yep. ones that are coming out this spring. Winter, um, springish season. Yeah, yep. couple quick shout outs for later in the year and we'll do another, oh, at least another one, maybe two episodes like this over the mm. course of the year as more adaptation news comes out. It ends with us, the adaptation of the Colleen Hoover novel. It was supposed to be coming out around Valentine's Day. It has been moved to June, presumably w- for strikes reasons up. related to the yeah. strikes. Uh, House of the Dragon season two is coming to HBO in August for all of the Game of Thrones fans and there is a new lord of the rings movie called the war of the rohirrim coming out animated. december 13th oh animated the, okay. only the real ones are going to be excited about this and count me amongst them but i'm not sure this is going to be this is not uh aragorn vigo you know wet and uh, all right this doors. explains why when i looked it up on imdb i saw oh my god yeah. brian cox and miranda otto but then next to them it just says voice and i was like are they doing voiceover like narration okay Animated makes sense. The IP, the copyright death rattle by the Tolkien estate to squeeze money out of this over the next five or 10 years is real. Just like this is one of those things like let's churn some of these out, get some things going, make make hay while the sun shines. And it is the untold story behind Helm's Deep, hundreds of years before the fateful war that presents the life and blood soaked times of its founder, Helm Hammerhand. Helm Hammerhand, come on, the King of Rohan, and that character will be voiced by the wonderful Look, all Br- Brian these Cox. People with the giant worlds, once they started naming people that were the <laughs> two hundred years ago creator of this thing, that's one set piece in the main story. They got a little loose with the names. They just they did. didn't it's have okay. Chat There's GPT lot, to help them. It was yeah. really hard to be like, what sounds, what sounds like mythic, but does not also sound like could be a character at Chuck E. Cheese. It's hard once you start having, you know, hundreds of names that you're never sure are actually going to be said by any person ever again in the history of anything. 
um, interesting to see that. Okay, so those are our highlights for the spring. Which You're one excited are you looking about? forward to the most? You get to Ooh. save one and all the rest gets swept away to sea. Rebecca, what are you choosing? Honestly, I think Ripley. I think it just looks like a great time. Yeah. I mean, the right answer is Masters of the Air, but I can see why you <laughs> With Dune coming in second for you, Masters of the Air coming in second for me, I think. Oh, I guess I was thinking of the TV stuff. I forgot we were also mm. doing movies at the same time. I would save Dune. Okay. I would save Dune. I can almost, here's the thing that's kind of weird. I can almost feel the shape and vibe that that's going to be. Unless I could be very surprised. I feel like we've experienced it once. Yeah. Yeah. Which is a weird thing to say when Dune 2, I also know. Um, (laughs) But how they're going to do some of this stuff that happens in the second part of Dune is actually kind of interesting Mm. to uh, to see how they pull it off. You mean when the giant worms from Tremors show up? Because I'm still already here, Rebecca. (laughs) You can't make a Dune reference if you haven't seen the first part. I'll figure out what the spice is. I'm going to get there. I'm not going to so get there. So many visions. Oh, my God. The number of visions <laughs> is just going to be wild. And, you know, Zendaya, she's going to have a big year. I saw oh a... Uh, Challengers. Tra- yeah, a trailer for Challengers when I was at the movies this weekend seeing all of the strangers. I'm like, that looks spicy. Yeah. Good for you, Zendaya. I mean, again, whoever approaches Zendaya... <laughs> no, I mean, I guess she was in Euphoria, so she's, she's game for this kind of stuff. Um <laughs> Real spicy. I can't. How wait. is the title of this not called Love All? But that's a different conversation. <laughs> and you know, we did 13 big adaptations here today. Yeah. We'll, we'll do this again over the course of the year. But I was just reminded, I was listening to the big picture over on The Ringer. Mm. And Sean and Amanda were talking about how there's 124 movies slated for wide release in 2024. And so, like, you can keep up with most of those or you can at least be aware of them. That's like the number of books that are coming out on the first Tuesday of in March. January. In a slow <laughs> January, that's how many books are coming out. It's, so we it just is got wild. So much to keep up with. Um, that's going to be an interesting spring. Mm. I bet fall is going to be stacked for adaptations as we get things that were delayed from the strikes. It'll be interesting to see what we start getting announcements for, for early next year. But thank you for going on this This adventure in the big screen with me. And we can, we can mix up, I think probably masters of the air and Ripley are worth a 20 minute hit on one of these episodes where Mm -hmm. we watch the first one and just say, are you going to, are you going to keep going? I agree. I like that. Um, thank you for putting this together, Rebecca. As always, you can find show notes, bookriot.com slash listen. You can shoot us an email, podcast at bookriot.com. Feedback, do we get stuff out? Any, miss anything here? Um, those could get included into our new newsletter, which also link in the show notes there. I'm going to be packaging up the next send for Friday. That includes things we talked about, other links, and then the mailbag talkback section. Also, a, a, some nice commenting happening, which is something Yeah, it's really have, nice. Uh, and a lot of places uh, going on anymore looking forward to that the patreon um and some co- stuff coming to first edition pretty soon uh, rebecca's helped me book some stuff i got some other stuff going a little bit of is as i get my sea legs for this increased cadence for this show but um as this has become a little bit easier and i can work it back in uh, looking forward to that there as always we'll be back with our news roundup in a couple days thanks so much rebecca talk to you all later y'all have a good one 